from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, Ipswich City Council hits a roadblock trying to upgrade Champions Way at Willowbank, council urged to bring about more shared use of existing community facilities and a report on council's workplace culture and whistleblower provisions praised by councillors. It's Thursday, October 15, 2020, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. October's Governance and Transparency Committee meeting considered a report about improvements to Champions Way Willowbank, pending agreement from the leaseholder of Queensland Raceway, Motorsport Queensland Limited. Relations between the leaseholder and Ipswich City Council are not what you would call rosy especially since the ill-fated Ipswich Motorsport Precinct Council-owned company. But agreement and consent from the lessee for Council to acquire a couple of parcels of its own land appears at an impasse. The relatively small parcels of land are needed to allow for improvements and widening of Champions Way to improve access to another block of land, a previously approved industrial estate, behind Queensland Raceway. Council's Corporate Services Manager, Sonia Cooper, gave an overview to the committee and explain the current situation. What uh, this report concerns is uh, seeking an acquisition and resumption of part of leasehold land located at 133 Champions Way, Willowbank. The part of the land is required to be taken for a, a road widening on the corner of Champions Way and that's set out in attachment one to the report as part of a previously approved development application over lot 25. So Council is the owner of the land, however it has been leased to Motorsport Queensland Limited until the 15th of July 2027, plus a 30-year option thereafter. As the report sets out, there has been meetings by Council officers with representatives of Motorsport Queensland uh, over recent months, if not uh, the past 18 months or so, and to date Motorsport Queensland Limited have not agreed to provide consent to the taking of part of the leasehold interest in the land on part of Lot 11. This is an issue uh, and this report is necessary as during the process of approving the developer application the consent of the lessee was not obtained as it should have been at the time council approval was provided without obtaining the consent of the lessee and hence despite all best efforts of officers um, for their own reasons motorsport queensland are not agreeing consenting to the resumption of the land that's necessary uh, in, in layperson's terms in order to allow um, vehicles, particularly uh, trucks, to um, reach the industrial estate that is intended to be developed by the developer. The developer has waited for quite some years now for this uh, approval to proceed. 
So after canvassing all available options that officers could could determine, could uh, could you know could see, uh, this report, um, as you're aware, puts forward a recommendation to council that we uh, seek to acquire that uh, that land uh, uh, via uh, resumption, uh, if necessary. Mayor Teresa Harding. Ms Cooper, do we know what the end use is for? But what is the developer doing with the land? We do. We do know that it's uh, intended its industrial uh, estate purposes uh, at this at this time. There's not a lot of other development in the area, as I understand it, but this would seek to um, be for industrial purposes. The meeting moved to a closed session to consider matters commercial in confidence. When the meeting resumed, further questions were asked by Mayor Harding of the City's Manager of Planning and Regulatory Services, Peter Tabulo. Morning, Mr Tabulo. Um, if the developer wished to make this land into landfill or waste operations or waste energy or incinerator, um, could they do it under the current zoning? Um, only with the application to us for a material change of use for whatever use right. um, they were seeking to establish there. And if they put a, an MCU or a material change of use, that would come to us Correct. as councillors yep. for a decision? Yep. Okay. With that, all recommendations were endorsed by committee, including the ultimate option of compulsory acquisition of the land needed to upgrade Champions Way. These recommendations will now go to the council meeting later this month. Another item on the agenda concerned the renewal of a lease of a council property in Carolee by Playgroup Queensland Limited. Concern was raised not about the group itself, but the exclusive use of the facility for only a few hours per week. Councillor Kate Kunzelman proposed an amendment to the recommendations. I would move that council officers be asked to investigate a non-exclusive agreement uh, arrangement sorry, with Playgroup Queensland and additional uses for the facility at 56 Harold Summerfields Road, Carolee. Councillor Kunzelman questioned why Playgroup Queensland had exclusive use. Council's Manager of Community and Cultural Services, Don Stewart, provided an explanation. In answer to the question, uh, Playgroup Queensland is the peak body for Playgroup, which is a uh, membership body of uh, operators who deliver infant care services, not infant care, sorry, infant development services for uh, the under five age group. It's the uh, motor skills sets that they develop in the early ages. It is a limited service uh, as identified in the, in the notes on the Tuesdays and Thursdays for a couple of hours on those two days. Um, they have traditionally over the last uh, five years had that lease under those particular conditions uh, and the initial request to roll that lease over has resulted in our position here today to discuss further. CEO David Farmer outlined three popular models for leasing of community facilities by local governments. There's really two models that are, are existent in three models that exist in local authorities. There's an exclusive use agreement which is a dedicated facility that can really only be used for that purpose. The best example is a men's shed where you wouldn't want other people to be using it because there's you know, tools and equipment and things like that where people can get hurt. Um, then there is what you would call a council managed facility, sometimes one that's staffed by council where uh, it's multiple use and the best examples are the large community centres. Mm -hmm. um, to a smaller extent that will be a little like level two on our new council building where there will be multiple rooms available booked through council 
and people will be using those. Um, and then the third <coughs> is actually, uh, and it's quite common, is exter external management of a council facility whereby they are the tenant but they also let that out mm. um, and so that they manage they have the lease or the license and then they would then sub license on a thursday it would go to the bridge club and on a friday afternoon it would go to the mm. you know to the mud courts association etc um, one of the critical issues when you have multi-use is lockable storage and and ability to ensure that specific purpose um, items or activities are locked off and not accessed. So one of the challenges with it, with a playgroup facility is the report mentions that there is a number of items there that are specifically for children. So we would need to make sure that if there was multiple use, that um, any other user was able to store their equipment and any equipment that related to playgroup was able to be stacked and stored and that wasn't able to be um, placed at risk from other users. So there's a little bit of work to occur to create multi-use, but of course um, it places a vastly a, a lower pressure on council if you are able to have multi-use of an asset rather than having to provide five community facilities, you can provide one community facility that's maintained and operated correctly. It was a big day for Corporate Services Manager Sonia Cooper, who returned to the meeting for the last item about corporate culture and whistleblower provisions at Council. Mayor Harding kicked off the questions. And in particular, I think the, the seven are great. I was going to ask you about two of them, which is number three, develop capable and accountable leadership, mm -hmm. and five, develop capable and responsive workforce. May I ask how you're going with number three? In relation to developing our leadership, we, as the report mentions, we set out as an early action this year to develop up a leadership charter that aligns to Council's values and sets out in a single page document the behaviours and actions that we expect of leaders at all levels of the organisation. Uh, ELT members uh, signed up physically and um, in, in every extent to that leadership charter and that was published and we are using that as a key tool in communicating with our leaders the behaviours we expect of them in addition to the code of conduct which is a foundation piece. Uh, there's always more work we can do and it takes much time to embed um, uh, things like charters into the I guess the fabric of the behaviour of our leaders so it's certainly a work in progress. That was one piece we, are, we have developed up a, as the People and Culture Strategic pl uh, Plan requires, we've developed a leadership capability framework that was considered recently by ELT. We're looking at uh, good practice uh, across public sector organisations and broadly. And we're now in the, in the process of seeking to uh, develop up a series of modules um, Internally, we've got good educational designers and staff in our OD team, so we'll be looking to be as efficient as we can be, as cost-effective, but uh, as uh, you know, quality we can be in terms of developing up and delivering leadership modules for okay. leaders across the organisation. Deputy Mayor Marnie Doyle. Um, through the Chair, I'd just like to make a comment. I requested uh, the... Um, this report and the results of the Pulse survey be brought to this committee. Um, this is an area that I'm very passionate about and I know we as a group um, you know, also um, feel that it's very important that the good work that's been undertaken thus far to, to 
transform the organisation um, from pre-administration days continues. Um, you know, there was enormous um, amount of alleged bullying um, going on within council, um, both by council, allegedly by councillors and, and, and council officers. Um, you know, my time here, I've, uh, I've had a number of council officers share stories with me, very, very sad uh, stories and stories that um, have angered me quite deeply. You know, you know stories around um, bullying, um, cultural insensitivities by former uh, councillors. Um, it's just appalling. So I, I praise the work that's been done so far and um, very supportive that it continues in the right direction and I'll certainly be shining a light where possible along the way to ensure it continues. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. If you like what you hear, please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button at the bottom of the page. You can subscribe for free and share this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today from your smart speaker. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thanks for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.